Welcome to the Reinventing Education podcast. I'm Rob McLeod. Today's guests are Nicole Bordelais and Jorg Heinrichs, two school leaders at the International Deutsche Schule Brussels, or International German School of Brussels, Belgium, where I've actually worked for the last five years. Now, I'll be leaving the school at the end of this school year with my family as we move to Canada. I've worked very closely with Nicole and Jorg over the last few years, and the three of us wish to have an opportunity to reflect on and share a bit about some of the work we've done together at our school. Over the last three years, IDSB has worked with the three types of school model that we present here on Reinventing Education. We actually informed staff, parents, and students about the three types of school, and after several info nights, discussions, and Q&A sessions, the school actually agreed that the mainstream or coach approach was the best fit for our school, and that the four pillars of differentiation, database decisions, transparency, as well as vertical and horizontal collaboration would inform our school's development goals moving forward. Aside from Brendan and I, Nicole and Jorg are the two people on this planet who've probably discussed and toyed with these ideas more than anybody else. We hope that you find this discussion interesting, and perhaps it even inspires some ideas for how the three types of school model might be used either explicitly or just in the background of your school's context. If you're interested in a diagnostic assessment to uncover which type of school you're currently in, you can find the link in this episode's description. So on to our chat, and we hope you enjoy this informal case study. Let's start with you, Jorg. Who are you? Who am I? Well, one thing both of us have in common are um, the French spouses. She's married to a French guy, I'm married to a French woman, and that, of course, set up a link from the very first moment on, um, we got to know each other in 2019 when I came here, here to Brussels as deputy headmaster and headmaster of the Oberschule of high school, if you please. Um, and another thing we do have in common is our experience as expats. So I used to live in England for six years, work for the European schools and another three years stay in Brussels. My kids were born all over the places in Bavaria and Oxford and in Brussels. Uh, they just happened to come, you know, along with the jobs. And um, Brussels pleased us a lot, so we wanted to return one day and the opportunity opened up uh, in 2018, 19. And here I am. And uh, my field of expertise is Schulentwicklung, school development. Um, and that is actually where we connected, Nicole and I, um, because she is in the same field, she is a school developer, um, actually the better one, um, and uh, and the driving force behind many things. Because she keeps kicking my buttocks uh, if things need to get done. And uh, yeah, so this is in in short my history. And of course, I am German. I think that's obvious. I used to be a Bavarian civil servant because teachers are civil servants in Germany. And now I am from Baden-Württemberg. I switched Länder because we were simply in Baden-Württemberg, closer to the French border, which pleased my French family. And now I just hand over to Nicole. Yes. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm German too. Um, even, although I have my French name, Nicole, and my French last name, um, which which is funny for the kids because the students, they always think um, I'm French first. Um, well, I'm here in Brussels since, well, a long time, since 2014, actually. 
and I'm working at the IDSP since 2016 and quickly became the head of the pedagogical quality management, which sounds nice and doesn't exist in German um, and in Germany and the German school, school system, which is about school development. So um, I'm the one uh, doing all the, well, um, pedagogical days, uh, the structure, uh, working on the processes of school development, um, thinking it through. And for Rob, I'm the rubric lady. So uh, we met. <laughs> I'm the one who understood his rubric thing um, probably quite fast. So um, I was called the rubric lady for a long time. During the past two years, um... There was a kind of vacancy, the headmistress disappeared, so I had to take the job as acting headmaster and I recruited her as deputy because I just, as I just explained, she keeps driving things and I thought she's the right woman. And I set these two, Rob and her, up because uh, I brought them into the fold, but I can explain about the beginning of our history a bit later if you <laughs> if you. Yeah, so I mean, uh, the, my experience is, is through Rob's uh, descriptions of you and the actions and, and how you've moved into this process. And so like, what I'm really interested in is um, your understanding of that kind of model of the three types of school, or, you know, we've kind of moved a little bit more to the types of relationship, like the expert and coach and counselor style. Yeah, your <laughs> what appealed to you, and and then a little bit about how you you're trying to to you uh, use that in your school to kind of move things in a in a certain direction. And Rob, you know, feel free to jump in as as the host of this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we do start with a bit of history. So I don't know. Do you guys remember the the kind of initial step of? It was early Corona lockdown days Indeed it was. that I brought this to York, which I think for most schools at that point, you're just trying to think about survival and how do we transition to life in the digital platform. And during all that chaos, I believe I sent York our 50th episode of our podcast where we tried to lay out this idea of three types of school. And I remember during quarantine, being out in a field with my son, who is just a few months old at that time, trying to get some fresh air, uh, taking a break from our Zoom lessons. And Jorg just wrote me a message saying, so I've just listened to your podcast. Do you think it's possible that we could be a progressive school one day? <laughs> and I think that for me is the first initial spark or memory that I have of it. But I think there was a few weeks or a few months of us throwing this idea back and forth. And maybe you guys can walk us through. I think it was by October or November, we decided to actually go ahead with introducing this to the school. Well, my 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 point when I, my starting point with Rob actually was pretty early on. It was in October 2019, before Corona hit us hard, when he kept uh, coming up to me and asking me always the same question. So what is the purpose of what we are doing here? And um, how do we approach teaching? The thing was, being an experienced teacher, that's at least what I thought of myself, I wasn't able to answer his questions, you know, uh, and that gave me food for thought. So, um, and he, he didn't want, want to um, reveal actually his strategy yet, but uh, because he, want, he, want, he wanted to change the school, obviously, um, and he has. 
Um, so I tried to wrap my head around his questions, but I never came up with a satisfying answer. So, um, and then of course we started developing ideas, you know, Rob's approach, I mean, he keeps asking questions. He's like Socrates, you know, uh, which is a great approach because it, it, it kept nagging at me. <laughs> so, um, and then he came up with this three types of school idea. And then I thought that is the moment when I have had to bring in Nicole because she was able to really understand it. I wasn't. So <laughs> I needed help. <laughs> and it was interesting to see the development also between the two of them because they kept throwing these ideas at each other. I was just sitting um, and, and staring in wonder at what they <laughs> kept developing every day. Um, and then actually um, we started really to put this into practice because from all the discussions, we understood that this three types of school is a great tool in order to analyze first what type of school we actually are or where we would like to go to. Because we had these, Nicole can explain this in detail, we had lots of school development um, things uh, happening, but there was no greater idea. No vision. Mm -hmm. No vision behind so and that we, we were lacking this uh, this grand idea the vision of well that's the way that's this the path we should take so um we decided the three of us to introduce to use the three types of school model first to analyze our situation and we were pretty dead certain that of course the result would be the mainstream approach which indeed it was after discussing it with parents and teachers and pupils and students yeah. exactly so and there we there we were that was in 2000 basically we started the kickstarted the whole thing in 2020 20. 21 exactly um and no, in the middle of the pandemic exactly, <laughs> in the middle of the crisis we pressured <laughs> yeah. the colleagues and that was that you see so the initial point before i hand over to nicole was indeed Rob's question, which I wasn't answering, or I, I wasn't answered to, I wasn't able to answer his, his questions. And there we go, Nicole, now for the details. Yeah, well, for the details first, I think there was a lot going on before. So um, there are many motivated colleagues who wanted to do something, but there was no, well, there was no vision, but there was also no path and there were no ideas of how to proceed. So there were, we had always the problem that there were school development goals we, we developed and then they just faded away after a while when the people were leaving because of course um, schools brought there, there's a big, big change of people regularly, um, fluctuation. And um, so we always had the problem how to keep that in mind, how to, how to proceed with that. And um, the big thing was, well, and also there were colleagues asking us about, like, is the bigger goal, is the bigger, well, something which is connecting us all and all our, our um, differences and, and all our ideas and in all our motivation to do something? Because I think there was always the, um, many people were seeing that there are some problems to solve and that there's something we need to change in our school but nobody knew how. Mm. And um, so Rob stepped in with this great idea. And of course, yeah, when I listen to the podcast, um, I listen to more than just one series. <laughs> so I not only, yes, I so listen to number 50, bossy. but of course, <laughs> of course, um, I was, I was, um, I was seeing the, the, um, well, 
the perspective or the the possibilities that would uh, give us this kind of approach yeah yeah so you you said you it was uh you expected it to come out with this idea that you would move towards the mainstream or that coach coach kind of model why did you think that and how did you uh, eventually come to that conclusion well I think, I think personally, we're, well, no, I don't know. I can't speak for Jörg because he's coming from a very traditional system that I'm coming from a from a school or I worked in schools who were either mainstream or like half progressive or in a way progressive. Um, so for me, that wasn't something new, but something, well, I was, desirable. Yes, yes, desirable. And I was thinking here, I was some, sometimes thinking, I'm um, well, I have to, I'm too slow. This is going too slow and everybody's so afraid of changing something. So, but this I felt with other colleagues too. So I thought it was just the right time. And for the pupils, for the students, I'm pretty sure that they were um, into it right from the start because this is what they what they need that, um, yeah, well, perhaps we can talk about that later if we talk, if we go more into details. But I think for the students, it was quite clear that um, they would be into that model too. And for the parents too, because this coach idea of, of like the, the Olympic trainer is quite tempting for a, um, well, private school, public, mm. which is, um, they all see their kids with a gold medal. So, um, yeah. of course, this is the, yes. <laughs> well, you know, I think peculiar about this place is, of course, that it's it's a German place. It's a school abroad, but it's very Germanic and German. Twenty years ago, we had this kind of Pisa experience. Uh, I don't know whether you're aware of this in Germany, and actually, yeah. we understood that the German um, education system was lagging behind, as compared to the Canadian system, for example, which was unforeseen because um, in Germany, usually, you know, the there was this kind of perception that German education system is the perfect thing, especially the gymnasium. Okay. Um, but in 2000, it turned out, or in 2001, it's not. So we understood that actually the German school system uh, is, is very traditional, and that's where we come from. And this where is you actually, come from, especially. Well, okay. More <laughs> it depends on the regions. It depends on yeah. the regions. Yeah, but more or less, I mean. Um, and it has not, it has evolved to a certain extent over the past 20 years into the mainstream situation. So that was the reason why we found, okay, that there are, in Germany, there are elements of mainstream uh, education. It's still a lot of traditional. And taking into consideration the, uh, the clientele we do have here, you know, these rather conservative people, NATO officers and so on, we thought a progressive school might simply be too progressive. So, um, and the mainstream exactly offered a couple of things like the coach, the gold medal, which seems to be appealing to this kind of clientele. So we were pretty dead certain it would be the mainstream thing. And as well, at the time, we kind of threw this idea of the four pillars, like talking about transparency, which really spoke as like a desirable thing for, I think, the kinds of parents who themselves are somewhere between that expert coach, traditional mainstream balance, where when we say things like, oh, well, our school goals would center around more transparency. Our school goals would center around more data-based decisions. Our decision, you know, our school goals would be centering around differentiation. School goals moving towards horizontal and vertical collaboration. It seemed like that kind of relationship of the coach idea spoke to parents. And then those kind of four pillars, when we say, well, we're going to base our school goals around these four things, 
the parents seem to think like, oh yeah, well that is, that solves a few of the issues maybe we have right now. And we want to see more of that. We wish to see that further developed. I was I was going to ask for your interpretation of that mainstream. So Rob kind of spoiled it there by giving all the uh, all, all the good all the keywords. But what's your uh, <laughs> transparency, evidence, nature dream? But what's your interpretation of that mainstream approach, and maybe why it uh, is appealing beyond the the gold medal kind of idea? But really, we were, um, well, Rob was doing quite quite a good introduction into the system. So we really thought that through. So he brought that to us and then to, to other colleagues. And we talked it through in different conferences and in different uh, workshops and so on. So um, these four pillars are quite clear to us. So, um, well, the transparency thing is, I think it's quite, well, it's it's logical that you need, for example, to be transparent about your grading, that you have to be transparent about um, the ways you want to organize things. So, well, on every level, um, so for colleagues, for students, for for parents, it was quite clear to us. And, and maybe if I could just jump in there mm -hmm. to go back to the idea of like, we are in a German school and like Jorg was saying with the, the kind of historical background, I would say my understanding after 10 years more or less in the system, System and having heard many stories from many German parents and, and teachers and so on, is that for a long time in the German system, there really was this idea that the teacher is the expert. So you don't have to be transparent. You don't have to necessarily break everything down in data-based explanations. Like, of course, there is differentiation on some level, but it's that's all left up to the expert, like, you know, the most common word we hear in, in meetings here is pedagogical discretion. <laughs> so this idea that even still today in 2023, there is still a lot of space in the German model, in the German rules for pedagogical discretion, which basically means the professional opinion of the teacher. And I think some of these ideas, you know, this idea of the transparency, the data-based, you know, decisions, these sorts of things, that is a big move for parents who wish to see us moving beyond yes. what has been the historical context for education in Germany. And now that you mention it, Rob, um, we, of course, encountered obstacles um, from time to time, even with people who had seemingly already bought into the whole process. Um, even within um, the group of the uh, extended um, school management team, who we were all happy with this mainstream okay. approach mm -hmm. at first. Um, after a while, we uh, encountered these kind of yeah, hesitations, you know, and, and doubts regarding the whole approach. And at first, we didn't really understand why. But then Rob did something which he does very often. Uh, he just retires into a den, considers people's things, ponders, and he takes he's he's the one who actually takes the the meta level i don't know whether this is the right word in english and he came up with an interesting interpretation and he was dead right um most that's why we are telling the story about the historical development of the german system most of us um german trained teachers us mentally still stuck in this traditional approach the teacher is an expert the bringer of the light and that actually contradicts the idea of a coach, you know, who um, accompanies students, who coaches them. 
And once we understood understood this rub, you know, this 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 not rub rub <laughs> problem, <laughs> and that was Rob who actually pointed this out. We were able to address this uh, properly um, because indeed there is conflict, you know, because this is the way German teachers, especially gymnasial teachers, are being trained. It's a very traditional thing. Not fully Nicole, because she's always very curious, very open, and uh, she's got a different mindset because she's from outer space. She's from Mars. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... Um, in my heart, I'm Canadian, you know. <laughs> yeah, Canadian. Deep okay. in my heart, I'm Canadian. <laughs> um, here we go. So, um, and Rob usually, indeed, brought the analysis into the game uh, because he tried to really understand where is the real problem. And I think there are different problems because there are some aspects who are easier to address than others. For example, the transparency thing was easier to address than, for example, the horizontal and vertical collaboration. Because it's, well, everybody, it was obvious that we, for example, had to publish the curricula or um, to make it obvious um, how our grading is done, for example. That was even for traditional teachers, that was obvious that we have to move mm. in this direction. But like, well, having a real teamwork structure over the year groups, for example, that's a different thing because it's much more work. It, uh, well, it needs much more like cooperation and open mindset. Um, or, for example, leave your doors open and just, well, let everybody into your class and um, collaborate in, in a way like that. That makes, well, this is much more demanding for, for a teacher. Not for the students, though, I think, but um, so it depends on the aspects of, uh, of the of the mainstream school. So we went further in, in the easier level, on the easier level, we went, well, I think we managed to <laughs> to progress. Yeah, but we're still working on the more difficult parts. Differentiation, for example. Uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that is uh, when you get to the real core of like people's values and beliefs. And yeah, we, we can publish our our curriculum documents on the website, but can we really uh, spend the time to work out how to best differentiate class for 25 kids with totally different needs and um, that have the uh, the complexity in the approach to to value that uh, yeah it's really challenging so and I'm, I'm interested to hear more about as you what your process was you know where you're at right now how you got there and and yeah what were those challenges along the way well we started with a well first with a decision so first of all there was already a big big step to get everybody on board. So to ask parents, to ask teachers, to ask students, students, we even asked the administration. Um, so really like everybody in this school about what kind of school they want to work on. And over a while too, like it wasn't a yeah. one-off meeting. Like no, we had was, two know. or three meetings just with staff, yes. at least three parent nights, you know, one or two just as an introduction and then one just full on Q&A, like, what would this look like? What does this mean? Mm -hmm. Through our student council, bringing this idea to the students in the high school and having all three of those groups, like staff, parents and students vote on which of these three is, which of these three do you like the most? <laughs> which of the three are we right now? And which of these three do you think is the best fit for us? Mm -hmm. Yes, and then unanimously, all three groups said, 
that this mainstream coach approach would be the best fit for our context. They also said that they probably see us as still as a traditional school. So they saw us as a traditional school, but they wanted to move into this mainstream direction, which was good. <laughs> um, yeah. So this took half a year, I'd say, mm -hmm. like to get everybody on board with this decision, like, well, for the first step. <laughs> and then it took us another, well, at least two pedagogical days, different workshops, reunions, whatever. Still a Steuerungsgruppen meeting yeah. recently, you know, a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago only. You again had to break it down to students and uh, the, the board. board members. So there are still questions. I think everything yeah. seems to, but, um, Again and again, these questions arise. What does it really mean? And what does it really involve? Because it's a great leap forward, of course. <laughs> so I think yeah, what, it took us half a year first. And then we took the first easy steps. And they were quite easy because this was about like, yeah, uh, publishing the curricula and uh, getting some unity into the into the grading, something. So this was this was easy. And then it became more difficult because we um, proceeded with working on differentiation material, for example, which is still ongoing. It's an ongoing process. And um, well, the collaboration is still well work in progress since we don't have the structure yet because it's all about structures too. So um, as as the, the leading team, we have to think about um, having a structure and building up a structure for making it easier for the colleagues to to work together perhaps rob can tell us a bit about his um fifth grade and sixth grade collaboration uh meetings with colleagues um but i think the good thing about it is that in these three years everybody has i think everybody has an idea about um the vocabulary, like about what does it mean to be a mainstream school? I think everybody heard about the four pillars. I even asked that in one of these uh, evaluations I did after one of the conferences, like, do you know what the four pillars are? Yes, yeah, we know. Uh, so I think it's about the, the wording is important too. So people begin to um, justify their actions with the idea of the mainstream school. And I think this is already a big step because they know about this vision and they are willing to argument with it. So this is really a step forward. Yeah, that's true. So it had to trickle down, you know, they had to be able to grasp the thing mentally. And I, I, I would like to mention that we split the roles. Rob has got this nickname here. I don't know whether you're aware of it, Brandon. Uh, Rob's nickname is The Voice, because it's amazing, you know, whenever the, the guy starts speaking, everybody sits tight and listens to him. I think you know this effect. So they were really happy to listen to Dan, less happy to listen to me. <laughs> but so Rob uh, was the bringer of the idea, and Nicole structured the process. I kicked open the doors, so that was because... I mean, we need an intellectual. And good cop and a bad cop. And a good <laughs> cop and a bad cop. We need the driving force and we need the gorilla just kicking in the door. So th th those were the roles. And so the whole process was not attached to only one person, although at first very often, which was true, it was labeled Rob's idea, which it was and has always been. But then we deliberately tried to move away from 
this label Rob's idea because it has to become common good, you know, common sense. That's yep. what we call oh, just as great. Yeah, and to go back to the team structure that Nicole is mentioning, to give you some credit, there's been a lot more happen this year in terms of structure, but I think it's a, a good first step, which is not to get into all the nuts and bolts of it, but within our contracts, there is time set aside for teamwork, but as of yet, it hasn't been set up in the schedule that it's a like a fixed time each week for teams to meet. So it's been one advantage is that the time has been flexible, but so that teams can meet whenever they wish. They're not mandated to a certain time, but of course the obvious you know, complication of that is trying to get three or four or five people's schedules to align, you know, week by week is is often difficult. Um, but it is fascinating to think a year ago at this time, we didn't have that. And then to think a year from now, what's that going to evolve into? So I think this is one of these ideas that it's not an overnight decision of like, okay, coach-based mainstream, like starting tomorrow, all the meetings now, everything gets flipped over but rather that it's a year-by-year -year ongoing process and that everything we are doing, we're trying to feed back into this idea that, well, whatever choices we are making, we're trying to move in this direction and not get pulled off to the kind of expert traditional version by compromising a few things we're doing or rushing into the really fun parts of the progressive counselor piece that whatever we are doing we're ensuring that we're building on what we've been doing and not compromising it. And so far, yeah, Nicole would love if everything, if we just hit fast forward and <laughs> overnight, everything was different. But when we actually stop and look, oh, well, a year ago at this time, compared to a year ago before that, compared to a year ago before that, there has been actually quite substantial changes fundamentally and on the surface level as well. It helps that there are many young colleagues now. Um... There was big, how do you say, age change, whatever. So yeah, demographic change. Yeah, demographic change. Um, so many of those colleagues uh, retired, and we have a lot of new young colleagues, willing and eager to learn something and to do something, and they are more experienced in this kind of teamwork, for example, because they learned that already. So even the the uh, teachers um, system in Germany is changing. So the young colleagues are used to the idea of working together, for example. So they're much more open for these ideas. That helps. Yeah, I think those ideas are, you know, feeding back into the culture in you know, a schools. At the end of the day, are going to represent the wider culture to some degree. We, we can't end up being like a, a bubble that totally is unrepresentative of the wider culture. Um, and, you know, what you're describing there being very explicit and, and focused on, on uh, naming that we want to be this mainstream coach centric school and getting everyone on board and using the language and and, and uh, really um clarifying the idea seems to be um the the wise way to approach it i would hope it seems to be what are some of the things that have worked then what are the pros of uh, the last year or two in your school well, I think first is this mental process, you know, that people are taking things on board. Also, the language, as you just pointed out, I think that's it's always starts here, you know, and uh, that we were able to set up these team uh, structures, the uh, um, 
we resuscitated actually this idea because it already existed. It wasn't just put to use, to good use. Um, now we have these team structures, we have teams, uh, people also willing to contribute, you know, and presenting their ideas. Um, Rob started uh, to develop um, the curricula, the, um, can you say curriculum in English? Is yeah, for sure. Yes. He developed the curricula for years five, uh, grades five and six in languages. Um, he also started to put together all the languages and um, they understood with his help that across the table, they have similar topics they could probably develop together. Um, so uh, these sharing is caring. This sharing is caring. Hmm. So it's setting up the atmosphere of cooperation, collaboration, this idea to strengthen this idea also to keep your doors open, Rob was is, is the first one, Nicola too, who just say, okay, we invite you to uh, come to my lesson, to see my lesson. That was actually cool. You should mention cool because it just mm. ties into this. This came first, actually. Came this came first. even before the three types That's of school. True. It was um, before that help probably. So in, how is it, how could you translate that correctly in, into English? Like cool is like- It'd be like the peer to peer, assessment process yeah like you the, as a teacher i as another teacher we go see each other's lessons we choose a specific thing to get feedback on the other one uh feeds that back as one like small anecdote to compare five years ago i remember when i arrived five years ago this topic was first brought up and i don't know the details of what had happened previously but it sounded like previously when this had been attempted to go see someone else people took it upon themselves to be the traditional expert like a superintendent coming into a fellow teacher's fellow colleague's class and just sort of like point out all the things that were not going well <laughs> and i remember one of nicole's first meetings being like no 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 it's not going to be like last year no 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 we're bringing in a and so nicole was already definitely leading the way with this more mainstream coach-centered approach where it's like no 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 you're not going to tell them what's going wrong you're going to choose one point to get feedback on just to talk about it because i'm so convinced about that well um lessons get better if you talk about it mm -hmm. teaching automatically mm -hmm. gets better if you talk about it if you share ideas and if you share thoughts and feedback so it, it's automatically getting better so i'm um yeah that was a <laughs> cultural obstacle actually we encountered and you, yeah. and you see that's why it's so interesting to cooperate um cross culture um because I think the Canadian tradition, and I know a bit about the English uh, tradition of, of training teachers, it's a completely different world. In Germany, actually, you know, when you're trained as a young teacher, this is uh, a moment deep, of fear. This is a moment <laughs> of disaster. And they strike fear deep into your heart because uh, um, the supervisor, the superintendent comes and observes all the faulty and flawed things in your lesson and points them out. So the instinct, you know, gym teachers, what they carry in their hearts from this experience is like, okay. Um, as soon as I can, I will shut the door. That's it. And of course, the Anglo-Saxon approach is different. Uh, also, the way you approach pupils uh, and what you want for them and with them, that was already something I think we understood. But Rob's perception, ideas, training helped us a lot. It was also a possibility to reflect your own uh, training, your own background, you know, and understand why colleagues here actually acted the way they did. 
and how to overcome this. So very fruitful cooperation indeed. And any, anyway, you can't count her as German. She's something I just get from outer <laughs> space. She's very different. So um, yeah, so it was also a process of reflecting ourselves, our position, our situation, our background. Yeah, that, that idea, uh, transparency, reflection, collaboration, they're all core to that mainstream kind of value. And moving away from it, the deficit model of looking at what you can't do towards a growth mindset of what you know you can do that's that's uh, i'm putting a name to that and a goal to it and using evidence to get there that's a huge cultural shift and value shift for uh, institutions and then bringing the hearts and minds of everybody inside that institution is uh that's tough what has been some of the the uh the cons or the the drawbacks of trying to put this model in place uh, not just um the challenges into your school but maybe is there anything about the model that doesn't quite make sense well i think differentiation is difficult um because it requires actually training you know it's really as rob once pointed out and he's absolutely right um the role of a teacher in the mainstream approach is the job description would really greatly differ from the job description of a teacher in a traditional system, like the bringer of the light versus the coach. But then again, actually, we understood, actually, we, it took me longer than Nicole and Rob, that the changing world outside actually requires us to move into this mainstream and progressive approach because um, what the children, the world they grow up in today is like, okay, not. Knowledge is, is it's, not, it's not a library where you find it today, it's online. So we are not the bringer of knowledge anymore. We have to somehow accompany them to help them understand how they can process, know how, where they can find it, how they can analyze and assess sources. Uh, so actually, this is already happening out there. We just, we are lagging behind. We need to change our mental system and our approach in order to really fit these things together again, you know. Um, so, um, and that's, that's, that's really, uh, we didn't go the whole nine yards yet. Uh, it's, it's a long way, I think, for this institution and for many other institutions. Actually, there's nothing in the mainstream approach, as returning to your question, which doesn't make sense to us. That's what I wanted to point out. Everything actually is so evident. That was the reason why everybody bought in. Just nobody really understood what that meant. <laughs> you see? That would mean they are hard work. But actually, mentioning like the new, well, changing society, new work models, I'm not so sure if the mainstream approach will be um, the, the best approach to continue long-term long-term basis because i think that um well of course my heart is is um is on the progressive side anyways but i think in a changing world I, what i don't like about the mainstream approach is this well the coach thing can be seen quite differently um well you have this of course this supportive coach seeing uh what you need bringing you um the best uh, material differentiation whatever you can get um, but it's also about this gold medal winner thing this conference thing you still have this idea of well yeah i get the best out of you but is that really the kind of or is that really what we need humans to be like always getting the best out of them isn't that quite 
capitalist way of thinking. Isn't it, well, do we really need that for the future or is it more about getting people um, to do what they want to do, what, what is inside of them and not what we just give them or what we have to bring them because of, well, curricula or because of whatever economy is asking us to do. So in the long term, I'd say it's still not the best model. It's the best model we can have here at this school, but like, well, just humanity-wise, I'm not sure about that. So I'm, well, yeah. <laughs> that frightens yeah. me because I just moved on to progressive. You see, I, 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 I just, I just managed school. to For move my next school, you know. <laughs> to mainstream and now she wants to take the next step. Isn't that, oh, Jesus. But I yeah. think it's well, it's very important to, to see that, you know, any approach has its downside. And so, you know, in, in Britain, I, I taught in, in England in a primary school and, you know, very test-oriented aspects of that. There's lots of good things, but, you know, a high-stakes test, and that's tied to, um, you know, that that puts a huge amount of pressure on the entire system, and then it stops you from doing those, um, putting your focus on on the individual growth and, and what students are interested in. And, and the mainstream is uh, very much set on the curriculum that is decided by the government or the school. And maybe that curriculum isn't the right uh, set of objectives for you at this time. And so there are definitely drawbacks, but um, a healthy approach to the mainstream is what we're looking for you know when me and rob do our episodes and we dig into more of the details we're looking for like what's the healthy aspect of each of these um, um and when we dig in dig into a little bit of like what where could it go wrong so it's um uh, what are your thoughts now going forward over the next few years i, I i'm not sure i heard that maybe you'll be you have plans for, <laughs> I don't know how much many of those plans you want to go in, go into, but uh, what, what is your, what are your thoughts for the current school and for your, your future going forward in terms of these ideas? My personal plan is uh, to learn as much from Rob as possible in the last month remaining. So <laughs> attending his class every Wednesday, writing everything down and having my own trainer training thing like my my own private workshop every every Wednesday to get um this to keep that model and to have um the because when he will be when when he's away when he will be gone so how shall we proceed with the uh, with the teacher so who will be the expert <laughs> who can be the coach um for the other for the other colleagues if he's gone so um if this expertise is not there anymore we need some well yeah we need to continue it somehow i think he has infused us with his ideas and wherever we go i mean nicole will have to leave the system next at the end of next scholar year so in summer 24 i intend to do the same because i would finally like to get myself a place with normal pupils you know kind of comprehensive school maybe um with a working class background, you know, that is, I think, um, that's obvious. And I want to bring these ideas to this place somewhere in Germany. And uh, I think where, where students really need it because yes. we're in such a privileged situation here in Brussels. Um, of course, they can, we can do it better and we can do a lot for them. They will learn with or without us, most of them. 
and they will learn a traditional system and they will learn in the mainstream system and I don't know, perhaps also in a progressive system, <laughs> but they don't really need us. But outside in Germany, there are so many pupils who needed much more than well our background here. And I said we would like to set up a school, maybe together. And uh, on a weekly basis, we need to consult with Rob <laughs> um, to keep his in just, yeah, we need him as a consultant anyway. We'll have to pay him, I guess, a huge fee. <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, no, that's that's the immediate fear. We want to take these ideas, you know, we want to, to set up a place for kids who just need support. Uh, as Nicole just pointed out, I mean, and there are many actually. There are, we brought this idea on different occasions. We brought this idea to festivals and education camps and whatever bar camps. And it's fascinating because it's not well in Germany. It's not known at all, and it's always like, "Wow, that's such a good idea!" And it's it, there are so many schools outside. They have they are in the same process as we were like three years ago or four years ago or five years ago, or even 10 years ago. So they're looking for vision to, to, to see how to um, how to put that all together. And they're always fascinated about these ideas because they never heard about it, which is um And yeah, it's interesting to hear people just say like, oh yeah, that connects the dots for me. Yeah. Like this puts all the mm -hmm. pieces of the puzzle together. together. Uh, it's an interesting uh, framework and, and uh, what I think um what's cool going forward is if you do open up a school and institution and look at how that's built from the ground up using these ideas uh would be really really interesting so um i think our time might be coming to an end here but if we can check back in with you periodically as to how that uh, experiment <laughs> is progressing that would be excellent uh, we, will. we will. We will. Yeah, okay. That's the one kicking in the door. <laughs> we will. Yes, we can. <laughs> okay. Okay.